Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, church. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Acts chapter 14. That's where we're going to be hanging out today. Acts chapter 14. We're going to start uh, really verse 7, verse 8, right in there. We're going to continue walking with Paul and Barnabas on this missionary journey uh, as the word of God goes out through um, the Roman world and beyond. And in that, uh, today I was just trying to consider what what to, to title the sermon and whatnot. And, and I just started walking back the last few weeks. That, that two weeks ago, we really talked about the reality that there is no other gospel. There is only one gospel. And then last week, we, we really jumped into this idea that we have to be mindful there are people there that desire to poison the gospel. Remember, and we talked about how unbelieving people poisoned believing people, the brothers right against the other brothers who were sharing the gospel and and we we saw that happening and so this week we we continue this end of the journey so to speak in in acts chapter 14 we're, we're finishing up the whole first missionary journey today and in that we're looking at this idea that we need to be mindful of people who desire to hijack the gospel now i don't know about you but when i think of hijacking i normally think of of movies i've seen you know, someone gets on a plane, you're going somewhere, they take over the plane and redirect you. And that is definitely hijacking, for sure. But do you know that's not the only way hijacking happens, right? And any, anyone in this room, if you're married, give me a, you can be Baptist, you don't have to be Pentecostal, you can be Baptocostal. Raise your hand for me if you're married in this room. Yeah, okay, you can put your hand down. Anyone ever had your spouse's work hijack your marriage for a season of time? Christy can put her hand up. I don't, I don't do that right let me think about it this way any moms in the room if you're a mom give me you can do the same thing if you're a mom yeah anyone ever had a two-year-old hijack your plans for the day right we, we can kind of think through that we, we all through ways ever been in a meeting and you you've had a, a presentation you know exactly where you're going and someone who's semi-prepared says I need to say something first and they hijack the meeting and you don't have time to present see this idea of hijacking is is really way more ingrained into our everyday life than we might give it credit for and we see it all the time when we come to notice it and that's what we're going to be talking about today is how to notice when faith is being hijacked, when the gospel is being hijacked so we don't all of a sudden find ourselves at the end of the day wondering where we are and how we got there that's how you know your day was hijacked if you've ever come home and someone has said to you how was your day and you said confusingly fine well what did you do and you say i have no idea your day was hijacked right this, this is what is happening and attempted to happen here in Acts chapter 14 as Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas are carrying the gospel out. And so as they do that, we're going to look at it very practically today. We're just going to tear it apart. And my prayer is that it equips you, that it empowers you then to walk with a, with a hijack-free faith. So let's just begin. We'll start in verse 7. Let's go down to verse 10 in Acts chapter 14. This is what the word says. It says, And there they, that's Paul and Barnabas, continued to preach the gospel. Now, at Lystra, there was a man sitting with whom could not use his feet. 
and he was crippled from birth and he'd never walked. And he listened to Paul speaking and Paul looked intently at him and seeing that he had faith to me made well, said in a loud voice, stand up, stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up and began to walk. Now I want you to see what's going on here. Paul and Barnabas have moved on, right? They started in Iconium last week. That's when they, the brothers got poisoned against them. And they've moved on now to Lystra. And in Lystra, we find a people willing to hear and to listen. In fact, they're captivated. And so captivated, even as a crippled man, that Paul, in obedience to the Spirit, recognized there's attention and need and faith. And, and the Lord heals this man through Paul. Now, let me tell you something about how hijacking works. The first thing is this. There has to be something or someone to hijack. There has to be something or someone to hijack. In our life, that is the message or the messenger. If, if those things don't exist, there's nothing to hijack, right? If those things aren't there, there there's, there's no concern to be alert of. If you never, ever leave your house, then, and you never, ever let anyone come in, then you really don't have to worry about somebody hijacking your day because you have, you have taken yourself, the messenger, out of the situation completely. Paul and Barnabas are taking the message all around the Roman Empire. And in this, they're fulfilling what Christ called them to do in Matthew chapter 28. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20, we get what we call the Great Commission. And the Great Commission is assumed upon every man, woman, boy, or girl who claims the name of Christ follower, right? If you and I claim the name of Christ follower, then the Great Commission is assumed by Scripture on, on your life. If, you, if you're not here with us, if you're new in, in faith with Jesus Christ, you came to know Jesus because the message of the Great Commission was carried out by a messenger of the Great Commission. That's how the gospel goes out. And so the Bible assumes that on us. And what, what Scripture says is Jesus, with authority from the Father, says, Go. Go unto all the world and make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey all that I have commanded you, and I'll be with you forever. This is what, this is what Jesus says. And in this moment, he says, Here's the message. The message is me. The message is my life. The message is hope, salvation, relationship with God, rightness, being reconciled, justified, being made new, all through my life. The Old Testament points to it. My life reflected it. My death paid the penalty for sin, and my resurrection proves my authority and my power over death. So you go out, and you, as the, as the messenger, carry the message. But then it assumes something of the messenger. It assumes that you're going to obey. That's what Jesus says. Jesus says, go and do this and teach them to obey all that I have told you. If you receive the message and it bears no fruit, then the message fell on hard ground in your life. And just because someone threw gospel seed at you doesn't mean 
that you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Are you with me? Just because you appreciate that your hard soil is decorated by the confetti of Christians who have walked by and invested in your life, that doesn't mean you're a Christ follower. By definition, a follower is active, obedient to the one who's sent. So you have to know, if you want to be mindful of your faith, the question is, are you a messenger of the message because if you are both are fair game now something something wrecked me I, a few weeks ago I, I tried to take a couple of days off uh just to reflect and get ready for next year and as i was studying as a reading just started looking at statistics and faith in our world today and and i want you to know before someone tries to hijack our faith even before that happens i think this idea that the message and the messenger are important is already under attack not from outside but from inside and i don't mean the person sitting next to you i mean the person that is you there's a group called barna that does research i've got the slide up here on the screen i've got it blown up so i can see it better down here oh that's good in this slide you may if your eyes work like my eyes that may be hard to read on either side but let me tell you what what happened here about the message and the messenger i want you to see those first two lines this is people who agree dark means strongly agree um orange the lighter color on the outside means mostly agree and if you can't see 95 plus percent of all practicing christians in the u.s this is people who say this they will say that part of my faith means witnessing about jesus and number two the best thing that could ever happen to someone is for jesus for them to come to know jesus 95 percent of practicing christians believe that the other five i would question if they're christian right but, but, but in that, we had to say 95%, that's a good thing. That means that Christians believe Jesus is the best thing that can happen to someone, and Christians believe that witnessing is, needs to be a part of their faith. Now, check this out. If you go to the bottom of that slide, th this orange area is, is called millennials, and, and, and that's such a gray line. But let's call them 25 to 40-something, 40 42-year-old-ish, right in there, give or take a few years. Almost half of people aged 25 to 42 believe that it is wrong to share your personal beliefs with someone in hopes of a different faith, in hopes that they may one day come to share the faith that you have in Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to hear this. 95 plus percent believe the best thing that can happen is to know Jesus. But 47%, 25 to 42, believe that it is wrong to share someone's, your personal beliefs with someone of a different faith in the hope that they will come to the same faith in you. Now, now before, before you get kind of crooked face. 42 plus that number still 20 to 25 percent and just in case we we look like hate on millennials we can bring that down we want to hate on millennials too much if you are not a millennial then you're the brother the mother the grandfather of a millennial amen so how did the young people get taught dang it right and i just want you to chew on this if 
if we believe, if we don't know in our heart, if we believe that sharing is a part of our faith, but we are not obedient to it by 50%. Church, the enemy doesn't have anything to hijack because we never jumped on the plane. And church, that is not Satan's fault. That is not the, the media's fault. That's not the government's fault. Whose fault is it? Come on. We were born in sin. We didn't have to be taught how to sin. What does it mean? Maybe. Maybe we know the message is important. We just decided to practice something else. You see, because if you and I don't ever get on the plane, if we don't believe 1 Peter 5, 8, that there's an enemy in this world prowling around like a wedding wing to devour us. And we say, I know he's there to devour us. I'm not gonna let him devour it. I'm just gonna keep my faith quiet. I'm gonna keep the message low key. I'm so thankful that Omar is brave enough to just talk to people about Jesus. God didn't make me that way. I had a man come into me one time. I was a youth pastor. And, and I said, man, I, I heard you had the gift of evangelism. Some friends of mine, he said, man, I'm, I'm so glad that you know you don't have that gift and you're willing to let someone else come in. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not an evangelist, but every believer is called to evangelize. Church, if nothing else we hear... The question you and I need to ask ourselves is, does the enemy have someone or something to hijack in you? Do they have someone or something to hijack in you? Or have, have you just found a nice, comfortable path through life with some Christian friends and some church friends and some Jesus time and all these other things, but you can navigate all the hard things so that you have a little bit of suffering here. The Lord won't give you anything more than you can bear. We love that verse. The, the rest of it says, but he'll provide a way of escape for you if it gets too heavy. That's really what the verse says. It, it doesn't mean God wants a bunch of softy uh, sitting on a log believers around here. Amen? Man, as we find in this, the question is, does the enemy have something to hijack and someone to hijack in you. As a believer in Christ Jesus, if the answer is no, you don't need to pay attention a whole lot further. You just go to the Lord in prayer for the rest of the time because the reality is who you are in Christ is the most dangerous thing this world will ever see, not because of radical ridiculousness in the world, but because the light of Christ tears apart the darkness and the darkness hates it. So if you are looking for an easy breezy life where everybody likes you and everything's stable and things at home are looking good, then you just keep on denying Christ on that wide road that leads to the wrong place. We have to have something and we have to be someone to hijack. Oh, there's more to this. Are you with me? So if we are someone to hijack, we need to understand there are different ways to hijack the gospel. There are different ways. Paul and Barnabas, they're carrying the good news out. I'm gonna skip down to verse 18 here. Verse 18 says this. 
It says, after this, even with these words, they, Paul and Barnabas, scarcely restrained the people from offering sacrifice to them. There are different ways to hijack the gospel. Force, confusion, and praise. Force, confusion, and praise. All these are ways, and there's probably a thousand more, but these are just the ones that are in Scripture, and let's not put anything extra in there because quite honestly, God's smoothies are thick, and we want to get all the way to the bottom first force this is what we understand these people were trying to hijack the gospel by force and the bible says that paul and barnabas barely kept them out force is something that we aren't accustomed to too much in our life force hijacking god's plan force hijacking god's word there are only a few circumstances that can do that normally they're in our home That's really one of the few places that true force can keep the gospel hijacked, right? Men, I'm sorry to say this, but our wives, many of them pursue the Lord more diligently than we do. If that makes you feel small, you can hijack her gospel. Because you can keep saying, I don't feel like going to church today. Don't talk about that stuff to me. You're going to too many Bible studies. Why are you always with your church friends? Pay attention to me. What you're really saying is, worship me because I feel small. A parent can hijack their child's faith. As a youth pastor 20 plus years ago, a story I'll never forget, a young girl came home from camp. She'd given her life to Jesus Christ. Mom and dad were so excited as Christians. They, They were elated. And, and I remember school started back and she was in her word and we talked on Sunday and I said, how's your Bible study going? And she said, it's not going good because I, I, when, I, when I wake up and I start doing it, mom says that's the last thing I need to do before I get to go to school and I keep running out of time. Mom and dad, that is how you hijack the gospel as a believer for your children. You see, in the middle of this, we, we know that there's force that tries to hijack God's plan. Exodus chapter one through 14. The Israelites are in Egypt. What's Pharaoh trying to do? Hijack God's plan for them by force. I'm not gonna let you go. I'm gonna kill your children. I'm gonna pursue you to to the sea. That's force. That's happening all over the world. But in America, I would be quite honest with you, the main place that it happens is in the home in the home of a believer or a non-believer that has a believer in the house. And we need to be alert for it that just because we've allowed the messenger to get hijacked, to be sleepy in our walk with Christ, that we don't cause that to hijack someone else's faith because we feel small. Aren't you glad you came to church today? It's feel good? Ah. But force and then confusion. And if you have your Bible, look at verse 11 through verse 13. And, and this, as I was reading through, I would have never caught it. And I'm enjoying jumping in God's word. This is what it says. And when the crowd saw that Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in Lyconian, the gods have come down in the likeness of men. And Barnabas they called Zeus, Paul, Hermes, because he was the chief speaker and the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance of the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gate and wanted to offer sacrifices with the crowd. Now, why do I say confusion here? 
It, it's super amazing that Paul, that Luke, recording this, this real-life story, said that they said in Lycaonian, the gods have come down in the likeness of us. I don't know if this, if, if you're from way up north and you ever come visit my family in Alabama, you may both speak English, but you're not speaking the same language, amen? You ever been there? Have you ever, have you ever noticed that you can drive all over America? Gosh, my kids, this is a story I won't tell. I, I saw someone riding on the dead. They were huge. God, God, God had given them muscles the size of my waist. And I was like, man, that person is, 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 is thick. And my kids were like, you're not allowed to say that word, Dad. It doesn't mean what you think it means. I'm like, look it up in the dictionary, children. Well, it's the same word, same language, different meaning. Right? I know, you're all dying now, Right? I know. Apparently, it, it now means that you're, you're, uh, God's giving you extra cushioning when you sit down. All right? Same language, but a little bit different. Church, Paul and Barnabas are in here, and the language is a little bit different. They can't kind of catch what's going on. They're preaching the good news. The people are excited. Somebody's getting healed. Woo, they're raising their hand. I got the word God. God's who we're talking about. This is going well. There's confusion in the chaos. Confusion often can hijack the message. If you look at Matthew chapter 22, the Sadducees come before Jesus and they try this tactic. Teacher, we have a question for you. Jesus says, what's up? What's going on? Well, if a woman is married and, and her husband dies and she remarries and he dies and she remarries and he dies and it happens seven times, I'm like, she married a serial, they married a serial killer is what happened. Well, I know. Who will she be with in heaven? Who's gonna be her husband? Is there gonna be an all-out brawl for this lady in heaven? They, we gotcha, we gotcha. Sadducees didn't believe in eternal life confusion we're going to mix you up jesus says no no check it out listen to me you've got it wrong a because you don't even believe in the question you're asking number two people are not given into marriage in heaven you see see confusion brings in to trip us and to catch us up this is always someone who wants to debate if you were to go to YouTube and type in Christian debate, you would have loads and loads of stuff. The person who's debating the Christian, they have to have no biblical resource. They have to have no God filter on their mind and they can work from theories that have not been proven because a theory by definition is only a theory because it's what? Not proven. And debating someone who they demand every ounce of proof from in that moment that confusion starts to whirl and wonder and you say, what does this mean? You have, you have two people who both claim Christ, yet they look at God's word, they look at the gospel very differently. One is saying, well, this word has 1,712 different meanings, and the 1,711th one means like this, and when I think of that word, it looks like this. Do you see what I mean? Are you intellectual enough? Are you smart enough? The Bible says the disciples were common, ordinary men. Church confusion is a way people want to hijack the gospel. The final one is praise. 
I mean, they're going through this. They, they call him out. They, they bring him to the entrance of the city. They put oxen and garlands on the gate. It's like a party. It's the preachers coming to town. This is, this is like a church opening in, in the 60s, amen? Like, you, you with me? Like, we're on the front page of the newspaper. First Baptist Church. Why are we called first? Because we were here first. It's not very biblical. It's just factual we make a big deal out of it we love that don't we don't we love it when praise comes before us with the gospel when people want to talk to us and interview us and listen to us don't we like it when people share whether they be lost or not lost it doesn't matter whether they be Christian or not Christian don't we love that people like us isn't that amazing that someone will value me? Church, that praise, that acceptance as it comes into place is a trap of the enemy. In Romans chapter 16, Paul writes about it this way. He says, I appeal to you to watch out. Watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine you've been taught. Avoid them. Okay, check it out. It, it's saying, if someone is teaching a doctrine, a word other than is contained in the word of God, avoid them. For such persons don't serve the Lord Jesus Christ, but their own appetites. How? By smooth talk, by flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, and I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as what is good and innocent as what is evil church flattery wisdom smart thinking tends to be something that woos us from the word of god mm. so what do we do how does it work well we just look to, to paul we can look to scripture when force is coming we're faithful Paul and Barnabas stayed where they are and they stood their ground and they stayed true to the clear gospel. They stayed true to the, the story of Christ. When the Egyptians did this to the people of Israel, what did they do? They stayed faithful to God and followed him even in their complaining. What do we do with confusion? We battle it how Christ did. We bring forth truth. I mean, that's what Paul and Barnabas did as they go a little bit further in the message it says, men, why are you doing this? We're men of like nature with you. We bring you good news that you should return from these vain things to a living God who have made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that's in it. In the past generations, he allowed you, he allowed all nations to walk their own ways, yet he did not leave himself without a witness for he did good by giving you rains from heaven, fruitful seasons, satisfying hearts with good, with food and gladness. Even with these words, he, they barely restrained them. Paul and Barnabas said, no, 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 what you're doing is not right. Let me point you back to the truth. Let me point you back to the truth. People want to ask and think about all these things that are in their heart and mind. People want to confuse you. What do you do? You don't abandon the word. But, but what happens when it's praise? when it's acceptance, when 
you're successful and seeing someone's eyes light up. When you just tweak God's word, what do we do? Romans 16 says, be wise toward good. Jesus says, why do you call me good in scripture? Only God is good. You can't be wise towards good without being wise towards God. See, at the end of the day, how do we stop the gospel from being hijacked? We stay the course. That's what we do. When Paul and Barnabas stayed the course, they stayed true to the Lord. Why do we have such a backwards Christianity view right now where everyone does what's right in their own eyes and gives credit to the God of heaven? Deuteronomy chapter 6. Listen, church. The Lord our God, he is one. Teach them. Teach the things that I have told you and told you to your children. Make them visible around your house. Make them obvious on your lips. I've grown up in the Bible Belt. The name of Jesus was known and normal, but I don't know that the name of Jesus that I professed was the same one that I heard others professing because the fruit is showing that we have a hijacked faith. Church, there's only one way to correct it. Stay the course. What happens when we do that? Well, you can expect the same thing Jesus got. You can expect the same thing Paul got. Suffering. You see, when when someone who's trying to hijack the message, hijack the direction, hijack the messenger comes at you and you say, I'm staying the course. When you say, here's the truth. When you say, I'm not going to fall in your games. When you say, this will not land in your praise, but in the praise of the Almighty. Don't expect them to say, ah, thanks. To Paul and Barnabas, they stoned them until they thought they were dead. They came at them as hard as they could. With a smile on their faith and and a a fictional God-righteousness around their belt. And they left him for dead. Verse 20, but when the disciples gathered about him, Paul rose up. And he went on the next day to this next city. Hmm. Church, this morning... Are you walking in faith in the true gospel as the messenger of Christ? Has your faith been hijacked by sharp wits and quick minds and smooth talking? Has it been hijacked by fear of the force that would come upon you? Has it been hijacked by praise and acceptance? If so, let the truth of God, let the faithfulness that comes from God, let the power of the Almighty stay your course. And if you do not have a relationship with the Jesus Christ that Scripture shows from Genesis to Revelation,
this morning, I want you to know the reason that faith in Christ is hijacked so often is because the value of the prize is greater than anything this world can produce. So this morning, I invite you to know that Jesus Christ prophesied, foretold, lived, died, and rose again, did so so that you could walk in eternity with him. Obedience as message and messenger. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. Lord Jesus, I ask today, Lord, that your word would guide us directly to you. Father God, there may be in this room, Father, there may be some that have been hijacking the faith of other people, whether they be dads or friends, no matter how good their intention be. Father God, I pray right now that you would hijack their attempt, humble them at the cross, and bring them to true life. Father, there may be men and women, Lord, who've gotten off course. And today, Lord, it's your faithfulness, your truth, Lord, your grace that calls them back to you. So Lord, we ask you this morning, draw near to us, God, and let us draw near to the living God and stay your course. In Jesus' name.